the Nerdbook Review. Tonight I'm going to be recording Revolt in 2100 by Robert Heinlein with Barry. This book was written way back in the 1930s. It was a series of short stories that were put together in the 1950s. So Barry's outdone himself. Katie, I know, normally does these intros with me, but she fell asleep a little bit early and seemed like she needed the sleep, so I let her sleep. So we can go ahead and give her a hard time for that. So I will get to the interview just as soon as I tell you all the places you can reach me. You can reach me on Facebook with a, with a Facebook page of Nerdbook Review. You can reach me on Twitter with the handle Nerdbook Review and on Gmail at nerdbookreview at gmail.com. I would love it if you listen to this on iTunes, if you could give us a rating and a review. That would be super, super helpful. Alrighty then. Well, thank you very much, and let's get right to it. All right. Today, we have Mr. Barry D. Smith with us. How's everybody doing tonight? (laughs) Good to be back. How is life treating you? Life is treating me pretty, 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 pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah, you're back to school again, and you starting to teach classes? Yep, teaching history and biology again. It's a great time. Oh, you're teaching? I didn't realize you were teaching history, too. Mm-hmm. What, just U.S. history or? World history. Oh, world history, huh? Not shaken history, world history. I see. I see. Or stirred. It's, it's always world. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, I'd bury so today we are here to talk about Revolt in 2100 by Robert Heinlein. I always want to say Heinlein. I think it's Heinlein. It's Heinlein. It. No, I looked it up. The Robert Heinlein Society oh. said, like I, I did the little audio thing on there. It's Heinlein. You just changed my entire life right now. Dude, I'm sorry. That's okay. I can I live am with sorry. it. I was calling him Heinlein as well, but uh, the last guy that Katie dated before me... He was into Heinlein, and so that's why she knew. So I'm, I'm calling him Heinlein. And, of course, Katie has zero issues correcting me. She's like, no, you're saying it wrong. It's Heinlein. Okay. So then I looked it up. It I, is. I was wrong, and we'll go with that. I'm probably <laughs> going to make a few mistakes here today. Yeah, that's all right. That, but This book, Barry outdid himself. When I thought that a 1957 book would be the oldest book that we would review, Barry proved me wrong. This one is actually short. several short stories that were put together. Uh, they were published from like 1939 to 1942 as short stories, and they are put together in a novel form in 1953. Back in the day, um, early to mid-1900s, all the way to about the 70s, Heinlein was considered one of the three pillars of science fiction, along with Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov. Um, his most famous works probably are Starship Troopers and The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, as well as Strangers in a Strange Land. Um, just Stranger a, in a Strange Land. Oh, sorry, you're right. Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, the Moon is a Harsh Mistress is actually one of the few books in paperback form at the space station. So um, he wrote a lot of novels. We had a lot of long time. And we're going to be talking a lot about Heinlein himself as well as the book today. So, Barry, will you give us the book cover? Book Goodreads blurb. Hmm. <laughs> Reading this straight off the paper. Oh, we have a paperback. It wasn't the communists who got us after all. You can read about its beginnings in Heinlein's immortal Stranger in a Strange Land. At the height of America's secular decadence came Nehemiah Scudder. 
bearing the rod and the wrath of the Lord for those who opposed him, and the promise of earthly happiness and heavenly bliss for those who followed him. And America fell under an absolute religious dictatorship that was to last a hundred years. But nothing endures forever. The smoldering embers of liberty have burst into flame again. It is time for a new beginning. That would have been good as like a uh, old radio ad. In a world. <laughs> I was thinking like a good propaganda like World War II, you know, where they're like... Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my take then, I always give a quick short take, is it's several short stories that take us from a revolt against theocracy that has taken over to America to a successor state to a future state. That's not super descriptive, but is accurate. Very accurate. Mm-hmm. Barry, do you have a quick take on it? or? Yeah, my take, I mean, there are three short stories. One of them is about 200 pages. The next one's about 90 pages. The last one's about 30 pages. So they're uh, very diverse in their length. And two of them seem to follow a timeline. The last one we'll definitely mention later that it doesn't necessarily fit along as a plot. It's not a bad short story, just doesn't feel like it fits with the others but that's okay not every collection has to fit together yeah i mean i think there was a purpose to it but i just don't understand like the way you know very well so we'll, we'll talk about it though just some the th- our thoughts on the book itself so when we did our first book together uh stars my destination it was written in 1957 mm-hmm. and i felt like it was amazingly up to date still with its like just the technology, you know, like thinking of especially like the optics, the wearables and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. this book was seemed really dated to me in terms of like technology. It, it was kind of funny. Like there was no monitors. Did you notice that? Like the computers were basically just giant adding machines that printed out that, that when you got done, it read out a printout for you like a sheet. And I never saw any sort of, like, uh, computer monitors or anything like that, you know? Very true. Yeah. It did seem futuristic at the time, but it definitely is dated in its technology and its language. That's one thing. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I was thinking this throughout the book. I mean, I like the book a lot. We'll talk about that, yeah. too. But um, it, I had a hard time finding the science fiction in it. I'm like, this is just a modern thriller almost, <laughs> except it's based in an alternative universe, but the technology seems very similar to our own. There's maybe even not as up-to-date as yeah. our own in a lot of ways. Yeah. They definitely mm-hmm. have used the technology to kind of cre- to solidify a totalitarian dictatorship, mm-hmm. so they have cameras and recording devices, that type of technology that would be foreboding in the 1939 but a lot of other pieces of technology were completely absent uh yeah i mean and what's funny too is is i mean i think that the since the publishing date is 1953 it's a little bit uh deceiving and misleading because the stories were actually written like i said night two of them were in like 1939 the 1940 to like 42 i think were the three dates so it's older than than really than 1953. Yeah, and also one thing too. Did you notice his favorite slang term, or was the, the he actually used it literally and figuratively? The word hoodwinked. I bet hoodwinked was used 20 times in this one. I didn't even know that being hoodwinked meant actually having a hood tied over your head so you couldn't see see out of it, and that was called I was being hoodwinked. 
Yeah, that was an interesting word. It, <laughs> its use did throw me off. I always have thought of hoodwinked as like being tricked. Yeah, well, I think he might have used it that way once or twice, but like he figured, I mean, he literally used the term hoodwinked multiple times. Like every time they would get sent taken somewhere, mm-hmm. they were being hoodwinked. Yes, they did. <laughs> as we've talked about that, it was several short stories. They were actually originally serials too, which for you kids out there means that these short stories were broken up and every week or whatever, you know, like month, whatever. I think these were in a science fiction magazine, so probably like every month. But they were you would only have like 10 pages maybe or 15 pages. They were huge, especially in the 30s, 40s, and 50s when people couldn't always afford to buy a real book. But everybody got the newspaper. It's kind of an old-fashioned way of like watching an episode of Game of Thrones on Sunday, right? <laughs> there you are. One quick thing, I just wanted to mention the titles of these books so we know what okay, we're talking let's go about. Ahead. The first, like, 220-odd page book is called If This Goes On. The second one, which talks about, like, what happens after If This Goes On, is called Coventry. And the short story in space at the end at the end that doesn't seem to fit too much is a misfit. Well titled, I might say. Mm-hmm. It is a misfit to this book. <laughs> there you are but yeah so let's let's go ahead and break them down a little bit into each section we don't need to spend too much time unless you want to so the first part the main like arc of this uh, the, the big 200 page one is the where the theocracy is taken over america um i guess that's something that kind of like is big with today with handmaid's tale like you kind of can think that way but i mean it's not quite it seemed like it didn't go quite the same way you know but that a man who called himself the prophet, he managed to convince a lot of people that he was the prophet initially during a period when America wasn't doing very well. And then he took over and basically set up just a true theocracy in the U.S. and completely suppressed any history before the theocracy. Like, the the main character, he doesn't even realize that um, he's never heard of like Washington and Jefferson and those kind of people. And when he gets out of them, out of being a guard in the the prophet's own guard, he he realizes all this stuff and he's just amazed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very good description of the book. I mean, it is a the book called Revolt in Twenty One Hundred. It is a revolutionary tale, if I can that that could yeah. sum it up pretty well. It's about creating an underground network that they have and then they have a base somewhere in Arizona where they hide off they have a secret language to avoid detection by recording devices and I mean it, the, the book is very it could have been 500 pages with a lot more details it was very short skipped over a lot of details which wasn't necessarily a terrible thing but in the end you know it, it you know you can see the revolt against this theocracy and you know once again it's an old book i don't care about spoilers because if we don't tell you a spoiler we won't get into the next part so <laughs> yes they are successful in overthrowing this dictator you can mm-hmm. guess that by the title of the book yeah. but then the next part of the book coventry that is where they talk about like what happens several decades i, I kind of got like yeah about maybe two generations i think is what it might have said so yeah, so probably about forty years or so after the the theocracy, and then they've gone like too far the other way to where like now it's completely bland and secular. Basically, life is, and if you do anything that makes you an outcast and is not conforming to society of of like being nice to people, then you get sent 
behind this basically like a force field wall type thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have to live in that part of the land. You get that or Coventry. mental. You get, you get that in Coventry. You get sent to Coventry, which is basically like some Mad Max version of Canada. Or... <laughs> Um, or you get to rehabilitate your head, your mind. So if you, you get a choice, so the people who choose to live in this unknown freedom over rehabilitating their mind and keeping a stable life, those are the people this, like, as I pictured it, um, Mad Max Canada oh, yeah, turns that's, out as. That's basically what it turns It's like exactly like that. that there's, it's basically lawless, or what there, there, is, there are governments and laws, but they basically, I mean, the, the main character is super excited that he's going to get go to this Coventry. He imagines it's like this perfect libertarian lifestyle. And he has like a car, like they let him take all kinds of stuff, like a car, enough supplies for like two years or something absurd like that. He makes it in to Coventry and there's a guard station set up. He gets all of his stuff confiscated. Um, and they say he's resisting arrest or something like that, or trying to to, to avoid the poll tax. Mm-hmm. Gets thrown in the judge, never lets him talk once. Ends up finding him and throws him in jail for not paying, not having the money to pay his fine after they stole every bit of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows. And then he eventually finds his way, and the rest of that is like him escaping, and he eventually might find his, may or may not find his way back to where he began. <laughs> I don't know. He'll have to read the book to find out how it happens. It's really, it's a good story. I think with Robert Heinlein, thoughts that just kept coming into my head here, here are he does definitely have some libertarian impulses. You can see that in both of these stories. Uh, he doesn't like uh, a totalitarian religious dictatorship or any dictatorship telling you what you need to be doing or what you need to be thinking. It's your job to figure out how you want to live your own life. Mm-hmm. And it's nobody else's job to tell you what you need to be believing in, who you ought to be looking up to. It's up to you. And that's what the revolt is. It's kind of, it's that part of an in- libertarian impulse. And he even shows like, a, I think, He's also showing his conservative side in Coventry a little bit. Like he, the, I mean, initially he's a he's critiquing this perfect world that's been created. This perfect world that's been created is not perfect because any sort of like aggressive behavior or shows of emotion or being weird is suppressed because it might hurt somebody's feelings. You know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like what you might think if, you know, like the student body of Berkeley somehow got to manage this country. Maybe we'd end up in some like feeling topia like they're talking about in Coventry. And yeah, maybe I'd want to go to Mad Max Canada instead without revealing any of my actual political beliefs. You know, that's what I was thinking when I was reading the book. Yeah, no, I I definitely uh, saw that and the, that like, obviously the dictatorship of the theocracy was awful did anything wrong basically got the inquisitions set set upon them you know and and they were they had some pretty advanced like psychological techniques you know that they would use on people and then you went the other way to where it still wasn't great for a lot of people because they would have to get like you know they're mentally reassigned or kicked out so either of those show the two extremes and then the third one i just don't quite understand I guess it's supposed to show that, like, back, you know, before the theocracy took over, they were out in the stars, supposedly, already, you know, and and colonized, like, Mars, and um, I think they said Jupiter or something, like, maybe one Titan or something like that, you know, and then they didn't do it anymore because it didn't fit with the theocracy, and they never talked about it with the, the, the second one either, 
And so then maybe the third one was supposed to be showing that they had gone back to, like, they were back to personal liberty, like, more true libertarian type thing. And then people, because these guys were choosing to go to space, like, you know, they, they signed up on their own, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then they were, like, basically, they were on their own for six months or 18 months, something like that. So maybe yeah. that was supposed to show that, like, the back to going the pioneering on your own spirit. I don't know. Maybe that's... Uh, there's some of that to it. But, like, there's also, they mentioned a lot of them were doing this for a penal sentence. So they, I mean, there's some sort of law and order that's been restored, and they, they're sent to space basically to, as their only way of buying their own freedom back to, like, cause mili- some military service where they have to move asteroids. Oh, okay. Not all of them, though, because, like, the main character, I don't think he was in trouble, was he? Uh, not that I know, but... Okay, but some of them were, and some of them I were... I can't remember every detail. Okay, so that's that's the book. So... Heinlein the man. Let's talk about him because in the um, all the way up until probably the mid seventies, he was considered one of the uh, three pillars of science fiction, and he was a true giant in his field. I mean, we talk about Starship Troopers. It's the first time that we talk about like basically the Space Marine in mechanized um, armor and suits that's used basically in every other science fiction novel today you know if you think you kind of have an idea of the book because you've seen the uh paul verhoven movie then you're mistaken i mean oh, it's yeah. far different far it's different. a okay maybe have a little idea but it's far different from the actual plot of the movie than uh, it it's definitely he waxes a lot about like the potential for human societies and what is the best for it's it's not just kind of a story about a guy who's trying to get laid with some hot girls there. You <laughs> yeah. know? No, it's not. And he is going to be accused of actually being a fascist because of the of of this. He'd already started writing some stuff that was more of a conservative bent, and that book will get him... Um, it'll have a, a, a lot of people who already didn't like him a little bit. It'll give him reason to call him a fascist, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, it's definitely like a militaristic uh, society where you have to... You don't get uh, citizenship unless you serve in the military. But let's just talk about... Like, he won four Hugos in his time. He was also named the very first science fiction writer's grandmaster in 1974. But today, you know, I had never really heard about him. And there's a reason for that. He doesn't get talked about by, like, academics and things like that because of the controversy of him being more of, like, a libertarian and conservative. Um, his later work, too, he's, he is accused of portraying women in a chauvinistic way. Um, he writes a book where uh, a woman is raped and ends up and then likes it and then goes out and basically tries to get raped over and over again because of that. And I cannot remember the title of it. I didn't write that down for some reason. But that was a uh, a controversial book, needless to say. I, I read um, a, a review of him by a professor at University of California, um, not Berkeley, but at, at Cal, who does lit, like science fiction and fantasy literature um, stuff, who talks about that. The quote was that, um, unfortunately with Heinlein, he started off seeming very egalitarian and almost like a feminist, and by the end... Even his heroines were, they were still the ones that were grabbing the coffee for the men while the men went out and did the real work, you know, and were the real heroes. But like early on, um, from like 39 till about 60, he wrote stuff that was downright feminist. 
I mean, look in this book, even. This was in the 1930s, and his women are ever taking every bit the same risks that the men are and mm-hmm. things like that you know it's absolutely true and a lot of his other books i think his most famous book stranger in a strange land definitely has like a very kind of liberal like you know kind of peaceful outlook on the world i mean it, it talks about like a man from mars and like what he thinks that when he comes to america and like his relationships with the women it's a great book i encourage everyone to read that one too but i mean he's definitely a guy if you want to read any of his literature he is philosophizing in his spare time he's trying to get to the ultimate mystery anybody who thinks a lot is trying to get to and you can see that in this book, Revolt in 2100, what is a good society? How do you run a good society? And I think deep down, he's as puzzled as anybody else is at the end of the day. You know, that's yeah. not watching Fox News. They know everything, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, people who are really thinking about it, no one really knows how to make a great society the best. But his thing, I think you could, you could sum up from this and other books, too, is... He is against totalitarianism and dogma. He doesn't like people being told what to think or how they need to act. He gives every one of his characters choices in his books. Even Starship Troopers, you can have a good life without joining the military. No, you, you just can't have to vote. vote. Yeah. You can't vote, but you know that you can still lead a good life. He leaves options for choices. There's no dogma. There's no worshiping God. There's no worshiping global warming. There's no worshiping LeBron James. There's no worshiping Buddha. There's none of those at all like, that you have to worship. You can do what you want in his worlds. Yeah. Some of his stuff that he did outside of, of his writing is another reason why he's considered so controversial. And like him and his second wife were swingers. And then um, after he was divorced from his second wife, um, he was married a third time. She was actually super accomplished. She was a rocket scientist and an adventurer and a four-sport athlete in college. So, like, yeah, she was super uh, accomplished. And I think it was, like, 61 or 62, maybe, that he got divorced. And and in the early 60s, he got remarried to her or to, to his third wife. And then... But he did get more conservative, you know, with his writing, and that's when he did some of his little bit more controversial stuff, um, because his wife was very conservative. Um, I think, like, one thing, shortly after they were married, he became a aide in the Barry Goldwater presidential campaign. And Goldwater, of course, is famous as the last uh, pre-Trump <laughs> anti-civil rights person. Sorry, that's, that's a joke-ish. Um, but so Goldwater was really famous as being a segregationist and opposed the civil rights movement. And so I think that's another thing that uh, hurt his reputation among like the academics and the, you know, maybe more of like the liberal type. Obviously, the liberal types wouldn't like someone that worked for the Goldwater campaign, you know. You know, that's something that's not like book related, but that probably hurt his reputation with like professors and things like that, because... Clark and um, and Asimov are still have courses taught on them, and you're almost never going to see anything about Heinlein in any of those courses. You know, very true. I mean, he was in the military as a youth, so that yeah. shaped a lot of his uh, his beliefs and a lot of his military parts of his. Yeah, novels. he was he's in the Navy. Um, there was a novel written in like the late 70s, 
someone in in this other like they wrote an alternate history one where someone went back and secretly inoculated Heinlein so that he never left the Navy and never became an author and wrote his libertarian and conservative stuff and it was like a spoof thing that I guess like but I guess a lot of other science fiction authors at the time really liked and it was kind of like a minor like, cult hit yeah. because of that you now know that's a future history right there <laughs> I don't know if we've even talked about that I'm getting off topic oh, a go little ahead. bit but um, these three novels definitely fit in with, you know, and I'll be the first one to admit I haven't read most of these. I've read a couple others, but he, he has a future history series. In fact, this paperback even has a chart. I don't know if your oh, yeah. copy had this. No, it didn't, but it, but it, I wrote, there was You've a, seen it in though, the ink, probably. well, yeah, there was a foreword talking about him, um, or from Heinlein in the, the e-copy I read. He actually wrote a, made, created like a timeline for himself because I guess early on in some of his short stories, his editor noticed that they kind of flowed together and they were like, you know, they looked like they were part of the same world, but that he had some things wrong in him and his editor would go back and say, no, you need to fix this. And so he wrote this big timeline thing. And then a he, timeline. the Heinlein timeline. These jokes write themselves, <laughs> folks. I'll be here all week. No, I won't. I won't. <laughs> but so the Heinlein timeline... He he put it together and told his editor that he put it together, and his editor wanted it, and he was like, no, you know, this is just for me, and he said, no, just, just let me see it, please. So he did. First thing his editor does is puts it together in a poster form and publishes it. So then, from then on after, Heinlein fans would have this timeline, and he said he hated it because there were times when he knew he was breaking his timeline, and he just didn't care. But then every, he said that he would get letters and messages from people saying, this is wrong. And he's like, I don't care that it's wrong. I know I did it on purpose. I have the timeline in front of me. I can see that, I, that it was wrong. I just don't care. And there's a lot of books. If you look at this, well, there's a lot of his classic books. In fact, even the back mentions this Stranger in a Strange Land's part of this. I don't even see that on here. I have to go back and read that one to see how that fits in to um, if this goes on. But a lot of his classics, a lot of his books are, are not mentioned on this timeline at all. Maybe they're influenced by it, but you know, he definitely found his way outside of this. This is kind of like almost like a future history series. In fact, I think, I think it was published in The Past Through Tomorrow is like, like eventually they just like, all right, let's put them all together in one big book, you folks at home, and you can read them all at once like a big fat novel. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. They said Heinlein, he was just such a giant. Basically, he had like a 50-year career of writing, and they're, they're really different time periods. I mean, the his early stuff is more like considered like young adult and is, is not controversial at all, really. And then once the sexual revolution happened, you know, and, and people could write more um, stuff, and then it got more controversial, I think, especially once he had that, that one book. So it's, you know, basically after the 1960s, he's, there's no denying that he was prolific and that his, that early on at least, his works were very influential, even if they're not nearly so much today. It's very true. I mean, it does have a huge influence on the science fiction community, whether they want to admit it or not. Short stories are probably just a way of getting ideas on paper. But, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was enjoyable. I guess I'd recommend it if you want a quick read. I mean, I'd 
I just honestly didn't pick this one out specifically. I saw like a Heinlein I'd never see, seen before at a bookstore, and I bought it on impulse uh-huh. and read it. You know, it's not like I handpicked this thing. Well, I guess I didn't handpick it. You know, <laughs> literally did handpick it. Yeah, but it wasn't but, something that you thought about like, oh, this will be perfect for the podcast. Like, yeah, you just, yeah, I didn't su- seek it out. I mean, when we talk, when I think about my next podcast book, it's usually like, what do I have in the vault of science fiction books I've impulse bought over the last several years and then i'll read one of those and yeah you've definitely become our science fiction guy and i and i like it it's i mean you don't first off you don't have to just be a science fiction guy you know don't feel like you have to but i do like that you pull out like some older science fiction i definitely liked it though what did you think um you know what i i liked it more than i didn't that so I would. It's at um, least a two and a half star. No, I, I'm giving it a three. I probably would give this like a three star, and it would have been three and a half if it weren't for that last, the, the third short story, which I just did not care for. And it, I mean, like the idiot savant part, like I just felt like it didn't uh, like fit necessarily with the the first two stories you know like you said it was probably just a third one that they added on like my thinking was maybe because they wanted to show like what if earth was more libertarian than you reach that middle that then like space travel was possible again type things i don't know if that was the case but i liked i think i probably liked the second uh short story the best the the one where, where they went to coventry uh the first one i liked but i did feel like it was dated I would say on my recommendation, I would recommend this if you like science fiction and you know ahead of time going into it that you're going to feel like it's a little bit dated. Like, I would recommend Stars My Destination to anybody, no matter what, because I just think it was just such an amazing novel and it stands the test of time. And I don't necessarily know that this one does, but if you know what you're getting into, then it's an enjoyable book. You know, I mean, you. I think that, like, talk. I always talk like talking about it. I like it more than when I necessarily first got done with it because I wasn't quite prepared for. I mean, like to hear the word hoodwinked so many times, <laughs> <laughs> and for uh, like some of the technology not to be, you know, so. Uh, I mean, really to have been dated as opposed to being futuristic. You know, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't recommend this as your first book to read by Heinlein. This one's kind of like just around the middle i mean it's just another it's another heinlein book it's not one that i kind of picked this one so we could just talk about heinlein yeah and that's i love that this book allowed us to talk about him i think that a big deal that we were able to talk about him and like i said i i would probably give this one a solid three stars i'd probably give it a four star personally you know that's just it's not your a plus it's not a five star not resounding maybe even 3.75 something like that i mean it's a good book i mean it's a quick read yeah for anybody, I mean, it almost doesn't feel like science fiction now. If you don't look at the cover, you know, or know who the guy is, you go in thinking it's in Look at the Year. You go in here without the title of the book or anything, you almost think like, ooh, this is just a, a, an alternate history rather than oh, a God, future yeah. history. And But it's 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 a pretty good book. I just don't like it when religion is wielded, wields power. That irritates me. Mm-hmm. Wields un, unimaginable power. And that's what what does that. If you read in the back of the book, the afterword by Heinlein, and he mentioned like, you know, you know, he had a lot of people say, why didn't you write any more books about Nehemiah Scudder? And he's like, I hated him so much, I couldn't write any more about him. <laughs> he's a true libertarian. You know, I think a lot of people that call themselves libertarians today, they still are socially conservative. But he was a real libertarian. He was also socially liberal while being 
you know, against any sort of real intervention or regulation, but he also didn't want that in your personal life. So, but yeah, like, I would recommend more, like one of those other ones, A Stranger in a Strange Land, uh, Starship Troopers, the book is, I've always heard, as far as, far better. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, and it's like I said, we talked about it with uh, um, Casey in his book, that it's one of the two uh, pillars of military science fiction. I mean, mm-hmm. his Starship Troopers uh, Space Marine is the model for what almost all Space Marines are, are shown today. Mm-hmm. He he's the first person to use a cell phone in one of his novels, and and he his, coined the phrase "space marine." Yeah, he did. So anytime you use space marine, and you use it a lot, I mean, you gotta <laughs> make sure you like, respect <laughs> the Heimlin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so like if you know that you're not getting into uh, uh, like a true futuristic novel, then then it's a good novel or it's a good story for you, and um, know that he that he has books that are really like true science fiction. God, I can't believe it though. I my mind is actually totally blown right now after you said to think of it as an alternate history type of a novel. Like I, if you think of it that way, like it's a totally different book. So let's go ahead and talk about... I guess how it made us feel. That's what we (laughs) like to do. How did this book make us feel? It doesn't even sound that cheesy to me. I I just kind of like it. It, Is is this kind of what you're thinking? Like, you know, your book is... Reading a book is a fun activity to do in your spare time. How does it make you feel? I think it kind of made me feel... The first book, I mean, they all kind of made me feel angry and philosophized, you know, because, you know... Not in a bad way. I like mm-hmm. feeling angry sometimes. You know, it got me all fired up thinking about like what po- could our could we potentially end up in either of these either of these kind of like psycho conservative utopias or a psycho liberal utopia. I think that's almost a great way to sum this book up. You have two weird utopias that don't seem very good. The they don't really yeah. they don't really uh, respect the indiva- individuality that people have. And, you know, I mean, it could come to this at some point. You know, things are crazy in the world right now. I mean, I don't know where I'm going to be in 30 years for sure. For me, it kind of, like, it definitely made me think. And it was like a scary thought. Like, especially Katie and I had been watching Handmaiden's Tale, you know, like the week before I read this. And you're like, geez, I mean, look at the way the world is going right now. You know, there's a lot of craziness in the world. And it's not completely out of line to think that, like, that our world could go one way or another, you know. Um, we always talk about that people think of history as um, moving in a straight line, but there's a lot of zigzags. I mean, look at the we go from the Roman era where it was as advanced as people were until the late 1800s in the Roman era. And then we have a thousand years of basically the Dark Ages, you know, before uh, civilization starts happening again. So it's not like we're at a point where we're guaranteed that we're it's never going to, ha- you know, society never is going to go backwards and uh, personal liberty is going to get won't can't get taken away so it definitely just made me think so now that you know what to get into then i think that like this is something that if you like science fiction or or, or even alternate history then you could read this uh the who the main audience is and who shouldn't shouldn't read it basically anyone can read this this was written in an era when there's no no graphic sex there's not going to be any like super graphic um, violence. I mean, obviously, people are going to die. There might be profane language, but if there is, it's so old that it doesn't seem like profane language today. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, I don't think there's anyone that shouldn't be able to read it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, just it's a quick read. You know, it, you won't feel like your time spent Rob. You won't feel hoodwinked by the author. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! Like, like Barry said before, 
This is a guy that was a LeBron James of his time. What else do you have, Barry? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we like... said a lot about Highland, and, you know, that's about it. I mean, it's just a quick book. You know, read Robert Highland, read read another one of his books, or just read a different book altogether. You know, it's <laughs> like, once again, like in the true Robert Highland condition, you know, like, I mean, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. You know, that's your job. <laughs> live your life the way you want to. Read a good book every now and then if you want to. You know, it's good for you. If you like to do that just like I do all the time, then you'll enjoy it. Okay. There we are. Well, Barry, uh, thank you for coming again. It is... We're going to just leave you in suspense. Maybe. Oh, no, to... I, I wasn't going to name the name of it. I was just going to say it's basically modern compared to these other books that you've oh, chosen yeah. so far. It's basically modern. <laughs> so we will obviously be having Barry back again. I thank him for coming, and uh, we'll see you again, and we'll have dinner again. Sounds great, Cameron. Good to be on the show again. Glad I'm your first three-time guest. It's fun coming on every time. <laughs> what I love about like having guests on and doing this is that... I mean, we all are reading these books anyways, and we just, you never really talk about a book the same way you talk about, like, a movie or a TV show, you know, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, it's such totally. a private thing sometimes, but it's nice to have, like, to do this together. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I know you got to get home to the wife and dog, and thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that book review. And in two weeks, we will have The Rules of Supervillainy by C.T. Phipps with myself and Chris Hazen. I will have an interview with C.T. Phipps coming out next week. So we'll have a double dose of Phipps. He has quite a few series. He's quite a prolific writer. Uh, All of it started by The Rules of Supervillainy, which was one of the first big hits on Audible. Apparently, people loved hearing it read on audiobook. So... If you guys enjoyed this, please leave a rating and review. I told you everywhere you could reach us at the beginning of the pod. I will see you next week with an author interview and two weeks with a book review. Hopefully we will be alternating uh, from here on out. All right. Thank you guys much. Bye.